Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. Still around. I hit it hard, man. Hard. 
St. Louis and all points north, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. KevinSlaytonShow.com, where you get the live version of the show every Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central Daylight Time. But you can hear our podcast just about anywhere, right here on our website, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and anywhere else. So that's all coming your way. But we get the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence right here every single day. You can't find that anywhere else. And we also welcome you, 636-538-0746, 636-538-0746. You can join us right in here on the show. A lot of things going on yesterday. They had the hearings with the whistleblowers all day yesterday. We're going to have you have some highlights for you uh, from that. Peter Strzok, of all people, the disgrace, and I mean abjectly disgraced former FBI agent, tabbed by Robert Mueller to help lead the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax investigation, fired from the FBI for his twist or his text with his twisted lover, Laura Page, and or Lisa Page, I'm sorry, and now paid to comment on MSNBC. That's how bad, how unethical. How immoral the mainstream media is. They pay convicted liars like Peter Strzok and Andrew McCabe to voice their opinions on the state of the United States. These are FBI agents who were criminals. And they and they get paid. John Brennan, the former CIA director, who lied under oath. James Clapper, who lied under oath, are now commentators on mainstream media. That tells you all you need to know about the media. You don't need to know anything else. If a stranger came here from Mars and they said, what's your media like? And you told them those four people were hired and getting paid to comment on the current events of the day, the Martian would look at you. Probably say, take me to your leader. And then you'd say, oh, please, not that. Not that, anything but that. We don't want to be further embarrassed. But here we are. We sit here further further embarrassed. Yesterday, of course, we treated you to the kind of racism that is not found every day, but if you look hard enough, you can find it every day. It's always coming from liberals. Isn't it funny? Conservatives, for all their faults, Republicans, for all their faults, don't seem to ever demonstrate racism. And yet it's always there from the liberals. Why? Because they have nothing else to talk about. If everything is race-based, they can scream and yell, and boy, do they scream. These are the loudest people I've ever seen in my life. But here's what we treated you to yesterday with Cori Bush, Rashida Tlaib, and then the biggest blowhard racist of them all, Jamal Bowman. And I play it again today because I want you to hear some remarks of Bob Woodson. Our country was not founded on the principle that all people are created equal. The media focuses on this one kidnapped person, usually white. The U.S. stole 12 million people. 
people. Yes. This is an opportunity for Congress to confront our nation's racist history of slavery and white supremacy that continues to really grow and fester within all corners of our country. Our education system has trained us to love and worship our oppressor and our slave master and to do everything we can to work within its structure and its systems to to uphold our continued oppression. So when we talk about the disproportionate impact of heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stress. When we talk about that, it's directly connected to our historical oppression in this country. (laughs) If that big blabbermouth, fat ass, wasn't so full of crap, it'd actually really be funny. But he's he's serious. He's such a bigot. He's such a racist. He's such an abject liar. Poor white man to blame for the black man's diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease. What else? What else are we to blame for? The the oppressor was speaking, or the oppressed person was speaking, the victim. The never-ending victims in this world, all liberals, of course. Jamal Bowman. We are the oppressors who've caused his diabetes. It wasn't the fast food that he eats constantly, or whatever it is he's eating, because it isn't good for him. He's a fat ass. But the real key there, other than his horrific grammar, is that it's nothing but wild liberal screaming again. Racism, racism, racism. And the racists are them. Cory Bush is a racist. Rashida Tlaib is a racist. They're liars. It goes hand in hand. These race baiters are always liars. Stephen A. Smith, for instance, over on ESPN, he's a race baiting liar. And yet, all of a sudden, Fox... With Will Cain before that, Tucker Carlson had Stephen A. Smith on as some sort of a contributor. What does he contribute to any television news show other than more racism, more screaming, more yelling, more BS, more cowardice? Stephen A. Smith is a coward. He's been invited on this show many times. He refuses to come on. But he'll go where it's friendly. He'll go where someone will kiss his ass. Because he's a coward who knows nothing. I obliterated him, as I've mentioned one time before, on ESPN on a pregame show prior to a Cardinal playoff game. Just obliterated him. That was the end of him for us. But it's his kind of racist spewing nonsense and Jamal Bowman's racist spewing nonsense. If they want white people to hate black people, it's because of people like that. And apparently they do want that. There isn't a white person on earth who blames black people for diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, or any other ailment. Not one white person would ever think to blame the black community for that. But Jamal Bowman blames white people for all of those things. You can hear more from him today because now he's threatening Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's chasing her down the street in New York City. This guy's a nutcase. He belongs in a jail cell, not just expelled from Congress. Speaking of expelled from Congress, though, we're going to have some news for you about a motion, a resolution, I should say, filed in the House of Representatives regarding Adam Schiff. We'll get to that. 
But Bob Woodson is a widely respected, highly respected man of integrity who founded and runs the Woodson Institute, and he is black, and he grew up at a time when real racism was present in our country. But Bob Woodson doesn't complain about it. Bob Woodson doesn't whine about it. Bob Woodson doesn't claim, as the liars do, the Stephen A. Smiths, the Corey Bushes, the Rashida Tlaibs, the Jamal Bowmans. Bob Woodson doesn't lie. He tells the truth about what's going on today. And what they say versus what he says is diametrically opposite. Now, who would you believe? A classy man like Bob Woodson who's earned his way or these big-mouth, rabble-rousing race baiters? I think it's a more insidious form of bigotry than old-fashioned bigotry that was based in malice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said that malice you can confront with violence, but folly, there's no defense against it. It's really insulting and demeaning for this. I'm not surprised that Cori Bush is one of the sponsors, after all, she also voted against the celebration of fallen uh, police officers. This is just another arrow in her quill against the values of this nation. Carpe diem, Bob Woodson. And as a friend pointed out to me, do black people only get diabetes in the United States where the racism is present? We, he, we are the oppressors, after all. So only where the oppressor is present do black people get diabetes. Black people in Europe... Black people in any country around the globe, they don't get diabetes except in the United States. It's the only place they have high blood pressure, heart disease, fat-ass disease. That's what Jamal Bowman suffers from, fat-on-the-brain disease, only here. But it's also interesting that if being oppressed as a slave, as Jamal Bowman claims, caused heart disease, diabetes, etc., how come it's still happening 150 years after slavery was ended? <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> this guy has a single-digit IQ. He literally does. <laughs> Remember, always the people screaming about racism are these loudmouth liberals who've achieved nothing. Nothing in their entire lifetime, except to have George Soros rig an election for them. But otherwise, they've achieved nothing. And since they have horrible decision-making in their lives, since they have achieved nothing, they'll scream, I've been oppressed. It's white man's fault. It's always the white man's fault. <laughs> Who else can they blame? They can't blame the other black people who are murdering black people every day in the streets of every city in America. Can't blame them. Got to blame the white guy. It's always his fault. Should white people, I guess, take a bow and say, hey, I have extraordinary powers. I can cause heart disease. I can cause diabetes. I can cause high blood pressure. We didn't know we were that powerful. But now we do know, thanks to Jamal Bowman. He's helped us out. He's educated us. How bad is the state of this country if people like Jamal Bowman are educating us? Jamal Bowman. He's nothing but a screaming banshee. That's all he is. He's a big mouth black congressman from New York who's arrogant, who thinks he knows what he's talking about. And then he opens his mouth. And then you hear the horrific grammar, the abject stupidity and bigotry. That's what he is. 
He's nothing more, nothing less. And Bob Woodson knows it. He also knows that Cori Bush is dangerous to this country with her big mouth, weaponizing race. It's, it's really weaponizing race. She makes the false claim that others do that this is necessary because of the legacy of slavery and discrimination is resulted in the kind of out of wedlock births and the violence and the chaos you see in these cities. This is patently untrue. I was born during the Depression, 1937. And in my poor neighborhood, there were holes in our shoes, but not in our character and in our faith. Elderly people could walk safely in these communities without fear of being mugged by their grandchildren. Uh, babies were not shot. I never heard a gunfire. Babies were not shot in their cribs the way they are today. So Bob Woodson, who lived through the worst of racism, never experienced what happens in black neighborhoods today. Think about that for a moment. And it's not caused by the white guy. These aren't white guys driving through black neighborhoods shooting little girls while they study in their house. Those are black guys. Bob Woodson is well aware of what people like Cori Bush and Jamal Bowman and Rashida Tlaib are peddling. It's ironic that these people like Cori Bush is pushing an agenda that is really antithetical to the interests of black Americans. That's interesting, isn't it? And it's true. And uh, Bob Woodson wanted to know, as he questions very intelligently, why are blacks suffering in cities run by black people if it's the white guy's fault? Why have poor blacks suffered these declines in cities run by their own black officials over the past 50 years? We already had reparations in the poverty program, $22 trillion on programs to aid the poor, where 70 cents of every one of those dollars went to professional service providers uh, and only a fraction to the people suffering in problem, which undermined the institutions of the family and the attitude of self-determination. The institutions that got us through slavery and Jim Crow have been undermined by the uh, poverty programs. Carpe quadruple diem to Bob Woodson. What do you think of that, Stephen A. Smith? Or Jamal Bowman? Or Cory Bush? No one respects the big mouths like Bush, like Stephen A. Smith, like Rashida Tlaib, Jamal Bowman. Anyone who listens to Bob Woodson respects him. Anyone who listens to Professor Carol Swain respects her. These are highly intellectual people, black, who comment honestly on the state of affairs in this country, not with an eye toward bigotry, not with an eye toward a racist past, but the way things are today. They're not victims, and I can tell you this, if anybody could ever claim to be a victim, it's Professor Swain. She came up from abject poverty, worked her way up toward multiple degrees, including an Ivy League degree, college professor and historian. Nobody gave her anything. Nobody handed her anything. She didn't feel like she was oppressed and doesn't today. Neither does Bob Woodson. These aren't people who were born on third base and thought they hit a triple. These are people who worked their way, just like everybody else does. 
Never once do they call for reparations. You heard what Bob Woodson said about it. It's worse than the old-time bigotry. Calling for reparations is worse than old-fashioned bigotry. That from the mouth of a black man who's highly respected. That's what he thinks of this reparation nonsense. I'm sure the loudmouth like Stephen A. Smith thinks reparations are warranted. Why wouldn't he? That's what racists think. But what gets you aggravated when you hear these kinds of people on television is the the dumbing down of America, the language they use, the lack of proper grammar, the jive-talking juvenile horse crap. Try to uplift the education. Try to uplift the level of conversation. Rather than street talk, jive talk. Let's have an intellectual conversation, if you're capable, Stephen A. Smith. You think you are. You go through your thesaurus every morning. You look up a couple of big words and you throw them out there, and you think that makes you smart. You're not a smart guy. You're a really dumb guy, and you're a real bigot, a real-life bigot. But that's what ESPN professes these days. It's all about woke bigotry. It's all they have on that network. Now, you thought, based on what we just presented to you, that white men are causing white people. It really didn't say men. It could be women, too. White people are causing black people to have heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, etc. You thought it stopped there, probably, didn't you? you? You thought it couldn't get more nonsensical than that. It couldn't get more asinine, more race-baiting than that. And then it did. And this time from the mouth of a white man a complete and utter buffoon, and a moron by the name of Pete Buttigieg, who says traffic fatalities in this country are caused by, altogether now, racism. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence. And we see a lot of racial disparities, black and brown, Americans, tribal citizens, and rural residents, much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? Who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities, and we have a, a responsibility to act on that. Can you even believe you heard that? Road designers design roads to kill black people and brown people and tribal people. <laughs> Do you ever sit out on a city planning meeting when they're trying to plan, uh, build, let's say, a new stadium and the road access? Well, how do we kill black people first? Let's get that out there. And those Hispanics, they need to go too. And these tribal people, where are they coming from? Let's kill them off too. Let's make sure they can't even get out of their own neighborhoods. And if they do, we'll kill them right here. We'll design the streets so that that kills black people. Now, of course, whoever was interviewing Buttigieg had no intellect and didn't think to ask, could you explain how road designs are killing black people more than white people? Or could it just be irresponsible driving habits of people? Careless, lack of respect for human life or property. Could that be the problem? Just a question. No, according to Pete Buttigieg, it's road designers. 
Racist road designers. Did you know we had them in America? I didn't. I have to confess to my own stupidity. I was unaware that we had RRDs in this country, racist road designers. Everything has an acronym, doesn't it? LGBTQ, please, plus, minus, division sign, multiplication sign. And now we have RRDs, racist road designers. <laughs> this Buttigieg, is there, if there's anyone dumber than him, it's got to be someone tied. No one could be dumber. And no one could be more full of shit than this guy is. Every word out of his mouth is bullcrap. A guy who couldn't even fix potholes in the city of South Bend, Indiana as mayor is now telling you that RRDs are causing blacks and Hispanics and rural people and tribal citizens to die in traffic accidents. Racist road designers. Incredible. What will it be tomorrow? I mean, yesterday, whitey's killing blacks with heart disease and diabetes and high blood pressure. And today, we're killing them with traffic fatalities. <laughs> I don't know. What could it be tomorrow? I don't know. But we're trying to eliminate the black and brown people from this earth. We have extraordinary Superman powers. I hope we don't misuse them. According to Pete Buttigieg, we are, though. We're killing people off. Now, I have traveled quite extensively throughout the country. I'm not bragging. I'm just making a statement. A lot of times in my car. A lot of times I've flown to other cities and then driven a rental car. And I've driven into poor neighborhoods, wealthy neighborhoods, middle-class neighborhoods. I've driven by stadiums, by arenas, on college campuses. And I have yet to see a street sign that said, Designed to Kill Blacks. Haven't seen it. I've yet to see a street sign that said, blacks take this route. Because, you know, we're steering them into the road access where they'll die. But I haven't seen those signs anywhere in the country. So black people don't have access to the safe roads, only the dangerous roads. Huh. It's interesting. I'll be darned when I go up and down the highways and uh, the byways of my cities that I live in, I see black drivers all the time sharing the same highways that I share. How dare them? Don't they know they shouldn't have access to those safe highways? They're only to drive on the dangerous roads. <laughs> this is what Pete Buttigieg said. So you think I'm making this up, but I couldn't possibly make this up. I've always said if you took some of this stuff to a Hollywood screen or a Hollywood producer as a screenwriter and you said, here's my idea for a show, they would laugh you out of the office. Now, here's my concept. Roads kill black people. Now, I don't know if you recall this story. It wasn't too long ago. A black thug that was allowed to be out of jail after committing several violent crimes, thanks to Kim Gardner. This black thug was driving a car down through downtown St. Louis next to the uh, dome, and a young girl who had come here from Tennessee with her dad to play in a volleyball tournament was committing the heinous offense of walking down the sidewalk. 
after she had played a match, and this black thug, who should have been in jail to begin with, ran her over. Now, was that the dangerous road that Pete Buttigieg is talking about? How did that white girl get killed? Or not killed, I'm sorry, she survived. She lost her legs, but she survived. Was that because the blacks have only access to dangerous roads? According to Pete Buttigieg, it is. So how does he excuse that? How does he explain that? Well, he doesn't because he's not asked about it. Perfect example. Now, we mentioned this big mouth Bowman. Marjorie Taylor Greene was outside of the Capitol building the other day, and Bowman started screaming and yelling at her. She responded to him in no uncertain terms, and then later on, she made this public statement. I think there's a lot of concern about Jamal Bowman. So, and, and I am concerned about it. I feel threatened by him. And she should feel threatened by him. Because this was the scene in New York City just a few days before when Marjorie Taylor Greene was there. Bowman out in the middle of the street, screaming at her SUV to get lost. Now let's talk about the truth. Now let's talk about the truth. Get out of here. Marjorie Taylor Greene, he's a take back to Washington. New York City stood up to Marjorie Taylor Greene to get today to let her know, get the hell out of here. Don't open one word in our freaking city. Isn't that classy? That's so classy. That's how you represent the black community. Your big, illiterate, uneducated mouth. That's the way to do it, you class act. So in one swoop there, he was assaulting Marjorie Taylor Greene because putting someone in fear for their physical harm is the definition of assault. You don't have to lay a hand on them. He also did it out in front of the congressional capitol. Then he did it in New York City. Then he was proud to say, get out of our city and don't you utter one word in our city. So he's trying to strip her of her freedom of speech, which liberals do all the time. Aren't you proud being a black person from the district that Jamal Bowman is from? (laughs) Now, of course, I don't take any great pride in being white when Joe Biden is running. Well, he's not running the country, but he looks like he is. Well, he doesn't even look like he is, but he's in a position that would think would make you think he is. So I take no particular pride of being white with that clown. But this Bowman is about as bad as it gets. And then he blamed her for his being, again, altogether class, a victim. Unfortunately, this country has a history of characterizing black men who are outspoken, who stand their ground, and who push back as being threatening or intimidating. So she's not even using a dog whistle. She's using a bullhorn to put a target on my back. This is the same reason why Mike Brown was killed. This is one of the reasons why Emmett Till was killed. And throughout history, black men have continued to be uh, characterized as aggressive. Well, what else could you characterize this guy as? He's screaming at her in, in a public, in the middle of a public street in New York. He's screaming at her outside of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. How else would you agre- uh, describe him? Now, I would use another word other than aggressive. Big mouth bully would come to mind. 
Here's a small woman, white woman, big black guy, berating her in public. But it's her fault, you know. That's what he said. He just explained how it is. Because that's how Michael Brown was killed, and that's how Emmett Till was killed. Can you imagine a big mouth, blowhard, black piece of crap like Jamal Bowman? Can you imagine this guy comparing himself to Emmett Till? Emmett Till did nothing. Emmett Till was murdered by a pack of Klan racists. The same kind of racist that Jamal Bowman is. The exact same kind of people. If Jamal Bowman thought he could get away with it, he'd kill white people. There isn't any question in my mind. He's comparing himself, a guy who's achieved nothing in life, to Emmett Till. An innocent young man murdered by thugs, white thugs, in the deep south in Mississippi back in the 60s. And then to compare Michael Brown to Emmett Till, please. This shows how utterly illiterate Jamal Bowman is, that his grasp of history is incapably stupid. Michael Brown was a two-bit thug knocking off a convenience store and throwing the convenience store owner against a rack of groceries or bubblegum or whatever it was, robbing him, then disobeying a cop, then attacking a cop, and he got shot in the process as he tried to kill the cop. Jamal Bowman holds Michael Brown up as some sort of heroic figure. I'm sure he holds George Floyd up as some sort of heroic figure, too. Emmett Till was an heroic figure. How they could dare mention Emmett Till's name with these two thugs is preposterous. But when you have a big mouth like Jamal Bowman who runs his mouth and does nothing else, that's what comes out of his mouth. Sooner or later, the unbelievable level of stupidity and ignorance is all you can hear because that's all he says. It's all he spews. Jamal Bowman is a victim at the hands of Marjorie Taylor Greene, much like Emmett Till was, who was murdered by Klan racists. I get it. That's easy to follow, isn't it? (laughs) It's incredible. I don't know if Buttigieg uh, was paying close attention to that train derailment in Ohio, but I'm assuming that he would be the first guy to tell you that trains are racist because they seem to only derail in poor white rural areas. Wouldn't that make the trains racist? And certainly the train conductors, they have to be racist. They don't derail in black neighborhoods, only white neighborhoods, poor white neighborhoods. Hmm. Deep thoughts with Pete Buttigieg and Jamal Bowman. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's hard to fathom that people in this country are not only that stupid. That's easy to I mean, look at the country. 98% of this country in my book are illiterate. But it's hard to fathom that people who have some sort of a forum, some sort of a platform where they get media attention could be this stupid. Now, we understand Pete Buttigieg is only uh, having access to those types of platforms because he's gay. There is no other reason. If Pete Buttigieg were simply a white heterosexual, do you think he, A, would have ever been elected mayor of South Bend, and B, would have ever been appointed as transportation secretary? 
Is there a chance of that happening if he weren't gay? Of course not. Not a chance in this world. So this country is not served by people like Jamal Bowman. It is hurt by people like Jamal Bowman. A huge racist screaming his racial platitudes and never being challenged, except by Marjorie Taylor Greene and us. And, of course, Stephen A. Smith, no one on ESPN ever dare challenges him. They'll be fired. ESPN doesn't allow you to actually ask a question of a black commentator. You'll be fired. You can't do it. You can't call them out for their own racial stupidity. This country was so much better off before the name Obama was ever uttered. The chief race baiter. I used to think it was Jesse Jackson, then Al Sharpton, people like that. But it's really Obama. He started it all. The mulatto. He's not even black. That's who started it all. And the liberals then just took it and ran with it. They got together one day and said, you know what? Obama seems popular. He keeps screaming about race. Let's all scream about race because we have nothing else to offer. We don't have solutions. We can't solve problems. If we scream race at Whitey, then all the woke white people will side with us. Sure enough, that's how it's worked out. Except people are starting to wake up. You know who really doesn't like what people like Jamal Bowman scream and Stephen A. Smith scream? Black people. When you make cities unsafe and black political leaders have done that decade after decade after decade, it's black people that are getting hurt. Do I suffer because... Murder down in St. Louis in the city is out of hand. Black-on-black murders. Do I suffer for that? No, I don't suffer. Who suffers? The black community does. But do people like Stephen A. Smith or Jamal Bowman give a damn about that? No, they don't. We're about to see today the appointment of another racist black prosecutor in the city of St. Louis by an imbecilic hillbilly white governor who claims to be a Republican. That's going to happen today. Parson is going to appoint another black progressive racist to run the district attorney's office in the city of St. Louis. Has this guy learned nothing? Is he capable of learning? This situation was ripe to have a strong conservative law and order prosecutor. You want to put a black person in? You want to play identity politics? Be my guest. Just make sure they're strong law and order people who will actually arrest, prosecute, and jail violent criminals. But he's not going to do that. Mike Parson is a coward. That's what cowards do. Most politicians are cowards. I don't care if they're white, black, female, male. It doesn't matter. Almost every one of them is a coward. And Mike Parson is no different. He's a coward. He's a gigantic coward. How did this state vote him back in after Eric Greitens was forced out by the very woman that Parson can now replace? 
Someone should do a documentary someday on the tragedy that was the Eric Greitens governor's campaign and Senate campaign and the lies that were targeted on this poor man. I don't care if you agree or disagree with his policies. What they did to him is unforgivable. And Parson is going to continue that tradition today. Any conservative or Republican who ever casts a vote for Mike Parson again, or anyone who Mike Parson endorses, just switch over to the liberal side. Because that's what you are. Mike Parson is an abject liberal coward. He's nothing more, nothing less. Sits on his big fat ass out on his farm and dictates. Exactly what the country doesn't need. More Mike Parson. Well, yesterday were the hearings for the whistleblowers, the three FBI whistleblowers, all of whom have had retaliation against them by the FBI. And, of course, predictably, the liberals get in there, and when it's their turn to say something or question these three heroes, they try to not only downgrade but to degrade these men these heroic men and they even put people up there on this com- on their side of the committee that don't even have a vote in congress stacy plaskett is from the virgin islands she doesn't even have a vote she can't vote on anything but yet there she was with wasserman schultz the same woman who rigged the democrat primary for hillary clinton in 2016 and by the way that's not even debated not even disputed not even the liberals dispute that and then sylvia garcia from texas sit there and insult after they lie they then insult three heroic whistleblowers who risk who have risked their lives certainly their families ability to earn a living by coming forward and telling the truth about the most corrupt organization in our history, today's FBI. On police week, watching House Republicans jump to lay the foundation to defund law enforcement. My colleagues on the far right are on a mission to attack, discredit, and ultimately dismantle the FBI. This is defund the police on steroids. You're engaging in the self-promotion of your new book that's about to be released. And what great timing to be on TV and in Congress right before your book tour starts. In Texas, we would just say that this is just a lot of hot air um, blowing here, and it ain't a whistleblower. From identity politics, the Democrats now have decided to degrade heroic people who come forward and say to them, you're not really a whistleblower. Can you be any more despicable than those people? I wonder if that pig, Sylvia Garcia, has ever risked her career, her family's income and livelihood, for a principle as strong as the truth. I'll answer that for you. No, she has not. And I'll also give you a prediction. She never will. She's a politician. She's a political hack, which equals a coward. When have you seen a politician come forward and risk their careers to tell the truth? Donald Trump. That's it. Begins and ends right there. Wasserman Schultz. I love their, you're just trying to defund the police. I've never seen a group of people so desperate 
to flip the script when all of their people screamed and yelled to defund the police. They found out how unpopular that was in the communities that vote for them, black communities. And when they discovered how unpopular it was and how stupid it was to do those kinds of things, they decided to just lie and say, well, it's really the Republicans who want to defund the police. No, no Republican wants to defund any police. What the House of Representatives is saying, where they have the Republican majority, is something simple. In appropriations, which is the only place they have any strength and leverage, they're going to tell the FBI, you're not getting money unless you clean up your act. Jim Jordan warned the whistleblowers that this is what they'd be in for with the liberals. We've talked to over two dozen whistleblowers. People have come to us. We've interviewed several of those, and today three of them. Three of those brave whistleblowers and a lawyer who represents them will tell us their story. They will tell us what happened, what they saw, and then what happened to them because they were courageous enough to report it to Congress. And I just want to tell you guys, get ready. Get ready because these guys are going to come after you. You know they are. And they did. Now, that, mind you, they didn't come after them with anything legitimate. They just called them names, said they're not real whistleblowers that they want to destroy the FBI. Well, I want to destroy the FBI. Who in their right mind would not want to destroy the FBI? Not literally, but figuratively burn it to the ground and start over. That means wipe everybody out that's in there. Every single person in the FBI, gone. Except whistleblowers. Start your new FBI with any whistleblower who has come forward for any reason. Because those are the courageous kind of people that we used to think worked for the FBI, but they don't. And their names are Stephen Friend, Marcus Allen, and Garrett O'Boyle. And here they were yesterday. Working as an FBI special agent was my dream job. My whistleblowing was apolitical and in the spirit of upholding my oath. Nonetheless, the FBI cynically elected to close ranks and attack the messenger. My family and I have been surviving on early withdrawals from our retirement accounts, while well, the FBI has ignored my request for approval to obtain outside employment. I never swore an oath to the FBI. I swore an oath to the Constitution. Do you believe that the FBI is purposefully hostile to you for that reason to keep agents from speaking up? Yes. Yes. No question. Yes. No question. And the examples they gave are outrageous. What's happened to them, outrageous. You'll hear from them. Kat Kamek is a Florida congresswoman who happens to be married to a SWAT team medical guy. And she let the liberals have it, Stacey Plaskett, for suggesting that it's the Republicans who wanted to fund the police. The line about Republicans defunding police, that one seems to be particularly special because respectfully to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, as the wife of a SWAT medic, as the wife of a first responder currently who has served our community for the last 16 years, I can tell you with certainty that no one, no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. No one. And I see from you nodding your head that you agree with that sentiment. It is inaccurate and wrong to make that assumption that Republicans want to defund police. It is false. Because forcing a political agenda down the throats of our hardworking men and women of the FBI with the threat and then subsequent follow-through of retaliation because they are whistleblowers because they didn't want to break the law, because they knew that it was wrong to target Americans without cause, and they swore an oath to the United States Constitution not to a political party. 
That's exactly what they did. And Kat Kamek wasn't done. She asked Stephen Friend why he was suspended. Your security clearance was suspended by the FBI after raising concerns for the use of excessive, excessive force with regard to the use of FBI SWAT teams to your direct supervisor, correct? Yes. Would you consider this retaliation? Yes. What else would it be? I mean, really, what else would it be? He reports to his immediate supervisor at the FBI that he believes attacking a pastor's home in the middle of the night with a SWAT team with guns drawn, a pastor who did nothing and was later acquitted, but a pastor who had asked, just let me surrender, don't put my family through this, the FBI didn't care. They wanted to make an example of him. Everything the FBI does is intended to have a chilling effect on either A, whistleblowers, or B, citizens of this country. The FBI has decided at some point under Christopher Ray that they, and prior to him, of course, James Comey and all the other corrupt FBI directors, have decided that in this country, if you dare have an agenda different from theirs, they will do what they did to that pastor, to you, Or if you work for them and you dare to question anything they do, they want censorship censorship, and they'll get censorship in the form of firing you, bankrupting you, making sure you can't work anywhere else again. Now, those aren't theories of mine. Those are the actual things that happened to these three men, Stephen Friend, Marcus Allen, and Garrett O'Boyle. Garrett O'Boyle, you said you took an oath to the Constitution, not to the FBI. What did your oath not do? My oath, however, did not include sacrificing the hopes, dreams, and livelihood of my family. In weaponized fashion, the FBI allowed me to accept orders to a new position halfway across the country. They allowed us to sell my family's home. They ordered me to report to the new unit when our youngest daughter was two weeks old. Then, on my first day on the new assignment, they suspended me, rendering my family homeless. They refused to release our goods, including our clothes, for weeks. All I wanted to do was serve my country by stopping bad guys and protecting the innocent. You can hear the emotion in his voice. They wait till he sells his house. They transfer him halfway across the country. First day of work after he sells his house, they fire him or suspend him without pay. They won't even allow him to have any of his possessions, his clothes. You heard him say that. Couldn't even have his clothes. And this is an FBI that the Democrats defend. They think that's perfectly okay. Until it happens to them. But it won't happen to them because the FBI is nothing but a liberal outpost. Garrett O'Boyle simply had some concerns that he expressed to his superiors. Kat Kamek asked him about those concerns and the FBI ignoring them. You had raised concerns to your chain of command when no action was taken that you reported these concerns then to Congress, correct? Correct. Once you contacted Congress, you were then suspended. Uh, Your top secret security clearance was then suspended um, for those protected disclosures to Congress, correct? Correct. That seems like retaliation, no? That's to me. You bet your ass it is. Can you imagine people trying to defend the FBI and say this wasn't retaliation and the, the way they try to say it is, well, you're not, you're not a whistleblower. As if the liberals get to determine what a whistleblower is and what a whistleblower isn't. 
incredible. Absolutely incredible. Jim Jordan asked Garrett O'Boyle why the FBI did this to him. Mr. Mr. O'Boyle, why do you think they came down on you so darn hard? Deep down, what do you think their motivation is? I think they want to, the agency as a whole wants to get rid of people who simply just don't toe the line that they want. They don't want critical thinkers. They don't want uh, people who raise valid questions to their chain of command. They want to send a message, don't they? Absolutely. They want to make you an example, don't they? Yes. And they don't care. They, they want to send that message so hard, so strong. They don't care that you'd served six years in the Army. Remember, the 101st Airborne took enemy fire, was selected for a special new unit they were putting in Quantico. They wanted to send such a message that they said, if we can get this guy, we can get this guy to be quiet, we can get everybody to be quiet. That's what they were doing, wasn't it? Yes, sir, especially since I had just had a, a baby who was two weeks old and we had just sold our house. Imagine that. The FBI will stop at nothing to silence their own members. So if they'll do it to him, as Jim Jordan pointed out, and I say this all the time, what do you think they'll do to you? I mean, this is a guy who's highly decorated as a veteran who worked for the FBI for years, who got awards through his work at the FBI, and this is what they did to him. What do you think they'll do to you? I'll tell you what they'll do to you. Ask that pastor. Ask Roger Stone. Ask Donald Trump. They'll do anything it takes to shut you up, to destroy your life, to ruin you. That's the FBI. Supposedly the top law enforcement agency in the country. That's what they do. They no longer are in the business of getting the bad guys and protecting us. They are strictly in the business of politics and pushing the liberal agenda and destroying anything and everything that disagrees with them. And they'll do it by thug tactics. We've seen that. The FBI is populated with thugs. If you want to know where the thug capital of this country is, it's right there in the FBI headquarters and every FBI office around the country. It is thug city. If you're a thug, you shouldn't be out shooting up other people on the street. You should be going to the FBI and getting a job. They welcome thugs. They welcome coward thugs who, without having the authority of the FBI behind them, would be nothing. Nothing. But they want you to fear you because they can ruin your life, and they will. But just to make sure you know they will, they'll destroy three of their own agents who had the audacity, one of them, to question using SWAT teams to come to someone's house at 2 in the morning, a pastor no less, invade his house, threaten his wife and children, and all for what? Because this guy protested in front of an abortion clinic? Who said he would surrender? But the FBI didn't want anything to do with surrender. They have to deliver a Knockout blow, a chilling effect. Don't you ever think of doing this. The FBI is pro-abortion. They've made their political stand on that issue very clear. You demonstrate in front of an abortion clinic, you get a SWAT team raiding your house in the middle of the night. You go ahead and blow up a pro-life clinic, 
Nothing happens to you. The FBI doesn't track you down. The FBI doesn't want to arrest you. They want to cheer you on. And so, right on cue, those thugs go blow up some more pro-life clinics. They destroy, break out the windows. They threaten the people living, that working there. Nothing happens to them. That's the FBI. What a pack of losers. What a pack of coward thug losers populate the FBI. What a disgrace. And you know what you hear all these former FBI agents talking about how disgraceful the FBI is today? These are people you can tell are actually hurt by this. It hurts them to think that an agency that was once devoted when they were working there to getting the bad guys, to protecting the country, protecting the citizens, now couldn't care less about that work. You're going to hear testimony from one of these whistleblowers as we go along as to how he was pulled off important work of chasing down bad criminals in order to surveil parents at school board meetings. Yeah, that's what I said. The FBI has a guide as to how these agents are supposed to perform Garrett O'Boyle, what about that guide? Matt Gates brought it up. That guide identified certain things that made people more likely to be deemed a threat or terrorists, didn't it? Yes. Was the Betsy Ross flag in the terrorism symbol guide? It was. And, and what about the Betsy Ross flag makes someone more likely to be a violent extremist? I wish there was a reasonable explanation for that. That's right. You heard it right. The FBI, in their terrorist extremist guide, listed as a symbol that should indicate to you that this person is a terrorist extremist, domestic terrorist, flying or displaying the Betsy Ross American flag. Now, for those who don't know, and many of the young generation aren't educated to this anymore, I'm sure, in the woke critical race theory schools, the Betsy Ross flag is the original flag of the United States of America with the 13 colonies. So the FBI declared that if you fly the Betsy Ross flag or display it in any way, you are the subject of the FBI keeping a watchful eye on you because you are a domestic terrorist. That's in their guide. And as Garrett O'Boyle said, I wish there was a reasonable explanation. Of course there's not. What could you possibly say to explain that? Other than you hate America, you're changing America, and you're getting rid of anyone who disagrees with you, who stands in your way. So real patriots who you would think the FBI would support are now the enemy of the FBI. One congressman asked Garrett O'Boyle, if he would advise other agents, let's say a young FBI agent comes to him and says, I've seen this, this, and this, and this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. This is breaking the law. What should I do? Should I go to Congress? Garrett O'Boyle had some advice. One of your really good friends, your former colleagues, came to you and said, I have this thing that is being covered up, and I think the American people know to, know, need to know about it. What advice would you give them? I would advise them not to do it. The FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family 
if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. If that doesn't send chills through you, I don't know what does. I don't know what does. If that isn't a Nazi Gestapo, I don't know what is. I guarantee you people in Germany in the 30s and 40s were saying, the Gestapo will crush you. They will ruin your life. And now we have former FBI agents saying, the agency will crush you. They will ruin your life if you tell the truth about what they're up to. And his advice, even though he did it, his advice to other agents, protect yourself. Don't be a whistleblower. And that's exactly what the FBI wants him to say. That's exactly what the FBI wants the message to be to any other agents who have the audacity to come forward and tell all of the corrupt happenings that are going on in Quantico, Virginia. And the ringleader, the Nazi Gestapo leader of all of this, is Christopher Ray. He is the head of the Gestapo. He might as well be Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS. Because he's very similar to Heinrich Himmler. If you put Heinrich Himmler and his testimony in Nuremberg alongside Christopher Ray's testimony in front of Congress, you'd find very little difference. Except one spoke German. But you'd find very little difference. And I really think the FBI should, instead of walking around in those dark blue shirts with yellow printing on the back that says FBI, they should walk around in brown shirts, just like Hitler's brown shirts, to let us know, to identify to us, there they are. There's the Gestapo. The modern-day Gestapo is alive and well in the form of the FBI right here in the United States. And I feel sorry for you if you don't believe that. I really do. You're hopelessly naive. And if you don't think what happened to the pastor, what happened to Roger Stone, what happened to these FBI agents can happen to you, you're just beyond stupid. There's no help for you. I hate to say it, but you deserve it to happen to you. Maybe then and only then will you wake up. They tried to destroy Marcus Allen, one of the other FBI whistleblowers. Matt Gates talked to him after they had attempted to discredit him. Mr. Allen, we just heard, uh, astonishingly heard a Democrat on this committee question your allegiance to the United States. How many tours in Iraq did you do? I did two tours in Iraq, sir. And, and for how many decades have you held a security clearance? Uh, for two decades, sir. Ever been called into question before? No, sir. And, and you also received the Employee of the Year Award for the Charlotte Field Office, is that right? That is correct, sir. Did you receive any medals during your service for the Marine Corps and the United States Navy? I did, sir. As a member of the Marine Corps, I received two, uh, a Navy Commendation Medal and a Navy Achievement Medal. Seems to me your allegiance to the United States is pretty well established over multiple decades. Seems to me the same thing, but not to Wasserman Schultz. Now, the, the woman who has the unmitigated gall to question Marcus Allen's allegiance to the United States, when she herself rigged a primary election for Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders is too dumb to wake up to it, but everybody else knows it. 
The evidence was overwhelming. What happened to Wasserman Schultz? Nothing. The imbeciles in the Florida district where she lives reelected her. She dared to question a hero about his allegiance to the country when she herself is in fact a traitor to everything this country was founded on? She's a traitor. She should be shot. She should be executed for treason. That's what we do with traitors. We shoot them. She's a traitor to everything this country was founded on. Free elections. She's a traitor. And she has the unbelievable balls to ask and question the allegiance of Marcus Allen. Matt Gates asked him, why did they retaliate against you? Is it your belief that you were retaliated against because you shared an email that questioned the truthfulness of FBI Director Christopher Wray? Yes, sir. And you believed that he wasn't truthful based on testimony he'd given to the United States Senate. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. And in that testimony to the Senate, you believe that Christopher Ray indicated that there were no confidential informants and no uh, FBI assets that were present at the Capitol on January 6th that were part of the violent riot. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. So let's see if I understand that testimony. As an FBI agent, Marcus Allen watched Christopher Ray, his ultimate boss, testify to Congress under oath that there were no FBI assets, there were no hidden FBI informants in the crowd at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. That was his testimony, Christopher Ray's. Marcus Allen watched that and knew that that was a lie. Every FBI employee knew that that was a lie. It shows you how rotten to the core FBI people are, that only three of them came forward. But Marcus Allen specifically on that bit of testimony. And so they went after him, ruined his life, suspended him, revoked his security clearance of a national hero who served his country well and received commendations for his service. I haven't served my country in the military. I haven't received any commendations from the military for my service. My God, I'm in trouble. Because if they'll come after that guy, They'll really come after me. I'm a white guy. He's black. And look what they did to him. Stephen Friend, who was the first agent that was questioned yesterday, told the story of how the FBI reassigned him from pursuing the heinous violent criminals that he signed on to pursue and who he instead should target. Matt Gates questioning him. You used to go after the worst of the worst, didn't you? Yes, I believe so. You went after people who looked at child porn? Yes. And then you were in the parking lot of a school board meeting, taking down the information of parents. What happened to the cases that you were working to to protect our communities from the worst predators that exist? I was told they were not to be resourced. Uh, and then uh, after I was suspended, uh, they were handed off to local law enforcement. Wow, so the FBI just decided it was more important to have you in that parking lot of that school board meeting than getting the worst of the worst away from people that they could harm. That's correct. Ponder that for a moment. Pedophiles, rapists, gang members, murderers, 
are all to be turned over to local law enforcement. No more FBI looking into them because we've got parents at school board meetings that need surveilling. We've got parents at school board meeting that we need our agents devoting their time to investigating, to getting their backgrounds, to knowing who they're talking to, to knowing what they're saying. That's what the FBI prioritized, going after parents of kids who had the unmitigated nerve to want to supervise their own children, who wanted to have a say in how their children were being educated by the lunatic criminal liberals who were indoctrinating children. These are sick people, man. This is Joseph Mengele stuff. He experimented on children physically. These people try to alter the minds of children. You could make an argument that's even more dangerous. Just kill me, but don't torture me. And the FBI said, that child who's endangered by the pedophile down the street, screw that kid. We've got parents up the street here who are complaining about those predators and we're going after the parents. That's what he just testified to. Now, anytime someone wants to debate the intelligence level of Democrats and liberals, all you have to mention to them is this from now on. Just say this, Linda Sanchez. Because if you say Linda Sanchez, pretty soon she'll be in history when this all is going viral. This is a level of stupidity not known to mortal man. She's questioning Marcus Allen yesterday. She's a liberal. She's questioning him about a Twitter account that had Marcus Allen's name on it. Now, there are a lot of Marcus Allens in this world, including a famous football player. So it could have been a number of Marcus Allens. The Marcus Allen, the whistleblower from the FBI, tried to help her by clarifying that that's not my account, but that didn't stop her because she's so damn dumb, I guess she didn't hear it. But the tone of her voice when he points out that it's not his account, the arrogance, the brazen nature of her accusations shows you what Democrats think of American patriots. Mr. Allen, have you ever used Twitter, yes or no? I have utilized Twitter, yes. Okay, and is your account at Marcus A9705064? That is absolutely not my account. Okay, that's not your account. Well, on December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said... That is not my account, ma'am. You haven't let me finish the question, sir. You might have been a football player. You haven't let me finish the question. And the time is mine. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name of Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, quote, Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th Retweet if you agree, end quote. Here, let me repeat it to you. It's not his account, you stupid ass. How more polite can the man be? It's not my account, ma'am. Uh, you didn't let me finish my question, buster. Stand down. I reclaim my time so that I can make a bigger ass of myself. I haven't already embarrassed my family, my friends, my neighbors, Let me humiliate everybody that knows me a little bit more by displaying, bearing my ass as one of the dumbest people that God ever created. 
It's not his account. Those will be the famous four words that she'll have on her gravestone. It's not my account. <laughs> that didn't stop her. <laughs> I, I just, I'm in it. how about somebody piping in? Maybe it was the football player. <laughs> and it may well have been. By the way, I thought the tweet was accurate myself. She was asking as though if you retweeted that, that somehow you're a bad person. I thought it was accurate. Pelosi did, did conspire to have a protest at the Capitol that got out of control to some degree, but not to any violent degree, except by the Washington Capitol Police, who murdered innocent bystanders. Jim Jordan, what have these whistleblowers uncovered? We now know that government agencies have been turned on the American people because of folks like Mr. O'Boyle, Mr. Friend, and others just like them. We know that parents attending school board meetings have been targeted. We know that pro-lifers praying at clinics have been targeted. We know that Catholics simply going to church, going to mass have been targeted because of brave people like this. I do think more will come forward, and that will help us as we get to the appropriations process, which is where we really have the leverage, where we can say, look, you're going to you're going to do things like this. You're going to attack good men who've served our country like these guys, then we have to look at the appropriations process and say certain money can't be spent certain ways. You may not be getting as much money. That's the only real leverage we have in the end as a legislative body because we can't indict anyone. We can't prosecute anyone. And those are the words that we all need to remember because those of us who are sick, sick, sick of Republicans talking and not doing anything, that's the, uh, I guess, the noose that's around their neck for lack of a better phrase, they are constrained from doing anything to these people. They can't do anything. They can't subpoena them. They can't, in, uh, they can subpoena them to testify. I'm sorry. They can't indict them. They can only refer them for criminal investigation. Now, who do they refer them to? Not the local police, the justice department run by the ultimate criminal Merrick Garland. One of the great traitors in American history, Merrick Garland, a complete traitor to this country. He's actually probably Heinrich Himmler, more so than Christopher Ray. So what can they do? What they can do is what I've said all along. Continue to expose this with your investigations. Have all of the evidence ready to go so that even a moron could prosecute the cases and hand it over to the new attorney general when Donald Trump is president again. And if Donald Trump isn't president and some other Republican is, turn it over to them so that they can appoint an attorney general, not like the district attorney that Mike Parson will appoint today, but a real attorney general who's going to go after people. Now, if the Republicans fail to do that, if they fail to continue exposing these people, and I don't think they're going to fail to do that, if they get a president in who doesn't appoint a bulldog of a prosecutor as as attorney general, then the country is lost, and the reason is the Republicans. As of right now, though, I can't be too mad at them. They're cowards. But I can't be too mad at them because they can't do anything. You you heard Jim Jordan just say that. What they can do is keep exposing, and they're doing a good job of that. Comer's committee with the Biden crime syndicate, Jordan's committee with the whistleblowers, and the criminal enterprise that is the FBI. What's a bigger crime syndicate in this country? The Biden crime family or the FBI? Or the Department of Justice? We've got three.
Those are crime syndicates. Those are big-time criminal operations that would make the mob embarrassed. The mob always thought they had really organized, they called it organized crime, real great organization in their criminal enterprises. But they pale in comparison to the FBI, to the Biden crime family, and to the Department of Justice. Those are true crime syndicates. I mentioned former FBI agents. Kyle Serafin is one of those. He's ashamed of the FBI, he said. These three whistleblowers are people that he knows, and they're all honorable and credible. And he said that at the FBI, he knows for a fact that Christopher Wray predetermined what would happen with the January 6th investigation. It's incredibly unfortunate that the beer was so politically minded, but they bought in 100% on January 6th, and there's a lot of money and promotions that are tied to it because they they created a prophecy that said it would be the biggest investigation in history, and so therefore it must be the biggest investigation the FBI has ever done. And so they must prosecute innocent people, they must convict innocent people, and they must put innocent people in jail. Of course they predetermined it. They didn't care about the truth. They didn't care about the investigation and where it led to real evidence. Didn't care about that. They don't need it. They'll make it up. I feel for Kyle Serafin as a former agent. And the non-voting Plaskett, who just ran her big illiterate mouth, claimed, if you can hear this with a straight face, if you hear this without laughing, I commend you, that this hearing, which you just heard some of the testimony from the FBI agents, how they, they've been ordered to surveil parents instead of hardened criminals. She claims this hearing into that kind of behavior by the FBI is a threat to America. Perhaps they're too far gone to realize that, in fact, this hearing is evidence, as if we need it anymore that MAGA Republicans are a threat to the rule of law in America. (laughs) They have to mention, I think the Democrats are forced by law now, by Democratic law, to mention MAGA Republicans at least once in every paragraph that they speak. They have to mention, MAGA Republicans? Man, there was a blizzard today in upstate New York. MAGA Republicans caused it. Tornadoes hit Texas today. MAGA Republicans are suspected to be behind it. Ten black people have heart disease today. MAGA Republicans caused it. MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans. Biden thinks that's so clever. He really does. You can tell every time he says it, he thinks he's so clever. Ooh, I've coined a phrase. No, first of all, it was hand-delivered to you. Secondly, it is a phrase that we, as MAGA Republicans, are proud of. We're proud of it. It means that we are people that believe in making America great again because America isn't great. In fact, it's rotten. But we believe in turning it around. Donald Trump turned it around once. He can do it again. But if it's not him, who's it going to be? Ron DeSantis? Well, it's interesting because... Ron DeSantis apparently made a phone call to donors. Now, I wasn't sure that he was even going to run. He's he's run such a disorganized effort to lay the groundwork. In a phone call to donors, he told them this. You have basically three people at this point that are credible in this whole thing. 
Biden, Trump, and me. And I think of those three, two have a chance to get elected president, Biden and me. Based on all the data in the swing states, which is not great for the former president and probably insurmountable because people aren't going to change their view of him. Really? That's interesting. I think the voters want to move on from Biden. They just want a vehicle they can get behind. There's just too many voters that don't view Trump as that vehicle. That's Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm a believer in all the good things that DeSantis has done in Florida. I also am starting to come to the belief that Ron DeSantis is the kind of guy that I don't respect. Donald Trump put you in the governor's mansion in Florida. Without Donald Trump, you wouldn't be there. And then the second time around, DeSantis won convincingly because he invoked Donald Trump policies. And now he wants to run against Donald Trump? Are you that greedy? Are you that power-hungry like liberals, DeSantis, that you can't exist unless you can run for president yourself? Or would you do the best thing for the country, get behind Trump as his running mate, make certain that you two on the ticket win, so that you can then be installed as de facto president for eight straight years after Trump's four years are up. That's what's best for the country. Not you conducting this backroom character assassination of the former president who put you in office to begin with. Once again, another Republican displaying his own cowardice. I'm not sure I can vote for Ron DeSantis if he would become the nominee. He won't be. Thank goodness I don't have to make that agonizing decision. But nobody's disappointed me more than him. He might as well switch parties. And then the Biden campaign released a memo that was called Road to Victory. (laughs) I don't know who comes up with all the slogans and, and the titles of things, but I just get a charge out of them. They really believe that that kind of stuff influences voters. That if they call it the Road to Victory, that people are going to say, Ooh, Biden's on the Road to Victory. Did you see that? Wow, I read the memo. He's on the road to victory. Here's what the memo says. President Joe Biden has shown he can deliver historic results for the American people, including helping create over 12 million jobs, leading to a manufacturing boom, and lowering health care premiums and prescription drug costs. He hasn't lowered anything. 12 million jobs? Where? (laughs) Where are the... Where are the jobs he created? I'm not talking about jobs that came back because they were closed down after COVID. I'm talking about real new jobs. Manufacturing industry, you've killed it. We know that you killed 12,000 jobs on the first day you were in office, high-paying union jobs. We know that. Carolyn Levitt works for MAGA America, and she got a kick out of this success memo. Whoever wrote it, the Biden campaign team is like all of the Biden team, right? They are willfully ignorant or they are willfully lying. This memo was not based on reality. They say they're creating jobs and cutting costs. Biden immediately killed jobs in our nation's most important sector, our energy industry. We are seeing mass layoffs across big industries such as tech and cutting costs. 61% of Americans right now say that Biden's record high inflation is significantly 
impacting their households. That is the dire reality that the American people are living in because of the policies of Joe Biden. But this memo also left out some of the most important numbers for his reelection campaign that 68% of the American people disapprove of his policies. The majority of Americans don't think he has the mental fitness to be president. And more than 70% of Americans don't even want to see him running again. Carpe diem, Carolyn Levitt. So true. And Trump's going to be the nominee. DeSantis, you know, I, I didn't want Trump to go after DeSantis because I just don't want that splintering. But since DeSantis is now doing it behind Trump's back, I say this to the president. Bury DeSantis. Just bury him. Ruin him politically. Destroy him. Show him that when someone helps you, you don't turn around and stab them in the back. Sorry, DeSantis. I'm done with you. I'll cast my vote for Robert Kennedy Jr. before I'll vote for DeSantis. Done. You might as well be Peter Strzok. Peter Strzok had the unmitigated balls to go on MSNBC and get paid, of course, and tell us all that the FBI that he was fired from because of his corrupt, quote-unquote, investigation of the Russia hoax, that the FBI is not a liberal institution, but it's a conservative outpost. I spent more than 20 years in the organization. It is absolutely a conservative organization, whether that's politically, whether it's in terms of its view of law and order, whether it's in terms of sort of broadly in a societal sense. To assert in any way, shape, or form that it is a hotbed of liberalism is absolutely absurd, and nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> then we got to take that as truth. I mean, Peter Strzok said so. That You can't question that guy's credibility or his veracity to tell the truth. Peter Strzok is a truth teller. So if you believe that the FBI is a liberal institution, well, you're a fool, according to Peter Strzok, because he said so. And Peter Strzok never lies. The truth is, Peter Strzok always lies. Peter Strzok is an operative of the Democrat Party and, as, as such, worked in a high-level job for the FBI. But he was so corrupt. Imagine how corrupt you have to be that the corrupt FBI fires you for corruption. (laughs) How bad are you? Wow. You're bad, dude. And what is Merrick Garland up to? The head of the SS. Larry Kudlow has an idea. Let's be clear about this one. Merrick Garland, the hyper-politicizing attorney general who takes his orders from Joe Biden is covering up a massive scandal of Hunter Biden's tax evasions and all these family and friends, LLCs, getting money from China, Ukraine, Romania, and Lord knows where else, and channeling some of that money to, first, the vice president of the United States, one Joe Biden, and now the president of the United States, the same Joe Biden. Bingo, bango, bongo. That's exactly what he's up to. And it took the Durham report to confirm what we already knew about Merrick Garland. Alan Dershowitz, who's friends with Hillary Clinton and, in fact, voted for, as he has admitted many times. What did the Durham report say? What the Durham report shows is that there was an absolute double standard, that they had far more evidence to go after Hillary Clinton, who I voted for and who's my friend, who I supported and who I contributed to. But... 
The report says there was far more objective, verified intelligence to open up an investigation of Hillary Clinton than there was to open up an investigation of Donald Trump, but that people in the FBI and other agencies of government saw the evidence through the prism of bias against Trump and in favor of Clinton. And you know, it's always amazed me that a person that I respect in terms of an intelligence quotient like Alan Dershowitz, I have great respect for his intellect, his mastery of the Constitution, tremendous respect. He's a flaming liberal. Uh, I don't care about that. He's, a, he's an honest man when it comes to these issues. But that an intelligent man like that could be hoodwinked by somebody as dumb as Hillary Clinton is stunning to me. That not only would he be a supporter and vote for her, but a friend of hers. Now, he thinks she's, he's a friend of hers. I guarantee you she'd cut his throat. But to donate to her, I, I, I would love to have Alan Dershowitz explain to me why you think Hillary Clinton is someone deserving of your vote and your support and your friendship. Why? Of course, none of these people that ever interview him will ever ask that question. The kind of people Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden put up for nomination to cabinet positions and the judiciary are stunning in their stupidity. You heard Senator Kennedy ask a judicial appointee a few weeks ago about two different constitutional amendments, neither of which she could answer. You heard a Supreme Court nominee nominated solely because she's a black female not be able to define what a woman is. And now comes a Mexican or an Hispanic judge that Biden wants to appoint to a federal bench position by the name of Anna Dialba. John Kennedy asked her a simple question about the Commerce Clause. And this particular question had come up as the central issue of a case, a big case, just decided a couple of weeks ago in her own state. Here was that exchange. Tell me about the dormant Commerce Clause. Senator, in my, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with the Commerce Clause, which is found in Article One of in the way. Constitution. Well, it was a big Supreme Court case that just came out of your state. Um, and I apologize, Senator. Uh, you know, I, in my 11 years of practice and my five years on the bench, I have not dealt with the dormant Commerce Clause, um, but. If I am so fortunate enough to be confirmed and have to uh, deal with it in the future, I would certainly You'll look research it, it and, yeah, be prepared. <laughs> I mean, how do you even come close to explaining that? Hey, listen, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about and being a judge, but you know what? If you confirm me, I'll try to be better. I'll prepare a little more next time. But right now, I don't know anything. But hey, confirm me, would you please? Because I really need that gig. <laughs> Just so she knows, the Dormant Commerce Clause has taken from the Commerce Clause, and the primary focus of that one is barring state protectionism. Just so she understands. She doesn't even 
she, 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 she's unfamiliar with it. How are you unfamiliar with it if you practice law, number one? Number two, if you're up for a judicial appointment and you know they're going to ask you questions and you just had a big case in your own state regarding that clause, wouldn't you know everything about it? But she promises that in the future she will. She'll do her darndest. You know, I don't know anything about the law, but if you give me this job as a federal judge, I'll learn some things. I'll learn me some law. I thought just by being Mexican would get me this gig. I didn't know I had to know the law. I mean, that's how I've gotten every job so far in my lifetime. Cozy up to the Democrat Party, tell them I'm Hispanic, and they'll appoint me to big jobs. Up until now, I didn't have to know shit. And now you're asking me questions? Come off it, Buster. Who are you? I don't, you Louisiana hillbilly, you backwoods hick. I don't need to answer your questions. I'm an Hispanic woman appointed to a confirmation hearing for a judgeship. I don't need to know anything. And she doesn't. She doesn't know anything. But she promises to do better, so we're thankful for that. That's like going to law school and you take a take an evidence exam and you get a 50 on it and you go up to the professor and say, listen, I know that, that test was yesterday, but if you'll just disregard that one, the next time we have a test, I'll do better. doesn't work that way. As if Democrats could get dumber, and it's hard that it's really hard to imagine any scenario in which they could become dumber. We played for you the other day how Pelosi... And several of the rest of them had justified illegal immigration because who in the heck's going to pick our cotton? And you'd think that that would have been so off-putting, so embarrassing, so humiliating to them when pointed out by anyone that they would not have ever repeated that mistake. But Democrats being who they are and what they are, when it comes to being stupid, They can't help themselves. And so Nikki Friedman, a congresswoman, and, of course, the aforementioned Wasserman Schultz doubled down on the picking of the crops. 800,000 migrants are going to leave the state of Florida. I don't know who's going to be doing the picking of of the fields during the harvest. And you're going to have vegetables rotting in the fields. You're going to have construction sites that will lie dormant uh, or certainly will struggle to get workers to be able to, to help make sure that they can make progress. You're going to have crops rotting in the field, construction sites dormant. She doesn't know who's going to pick the crops. Why don't you pick them? Why don't you get your lazy ass out there and pick them? Unbelievable that they talk like this about Hispanics. Unbelievable. I mean, she should have just gone ahead and gone full out and said, who's going to cut our grass? Who's going to mow the lawn? Who's going to trim the bushes and the trees if we don't have these illegal aliens? Sure as hell isn't me, says Wasserman Schultz. (laughs) Stupid is as stupid does. Isn't that what Forrest Gump once said? Boy, was he right. Boy, was he right. Hey, if the weekend is a time tomorrow when you're looking for a new car, like, Kids are saying, you know, I need a car. This one's broken down. The school year's ending. We got to get me a new one. 
Don't go to a dealership and bang your head against a wall and then go to another one and bang your head against the wall. Just call stl-cars.com. Go online, check out their website, look at the over 1,000 vehicles they have in store for you. Pick the one you want. Call them, 314-309-3633, 314-309-3633, or you can text them. Either way, ask for Don. Tell them we sent you. Tell them the car you want, the SUV, the truck. Tell them the price you want to pay for it. And if for whatever reason of those thousands of vehicles you can't exactly find the one you want, tell them the one you want. They'll go get it for you. And then you pick it up and drive it home. Or they'll deliver it to you. They did that for me. I've purchased three vehicles from them. My son purchased one. Just got his delivered to him from Alabama. They have a VIP concierge maintenance service available and a huge network of dealer inventory throughout the country. STL-cars.com will find it for you. They do a lot of business with blues players. They find cars for them all over the place. And they'll do it for you as well. So give them a call. Tell them the car that you want or the truck or the SUV. Tell them what you want to pay, and they'll get it for you. Remember to ask for Don, 314-309-3633. Call him or text him. You will, I promise you, be happy that you did. I will take a quick break, and we'll come back with your calls on the other side.
Welcome you back in. This is a Friday morning. Kevin Slayton with you in the Window World Kings Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. The day the Lord created, Friday. That's right. Monday will be here too soon. That's the day the liberals created. But let's enjoy the Lord's gift to us today, Friday. Yes, Friday. you got to love it. Maybe start your day out at Taco Bell for breakfast where they have a grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits off the dollar crave menu for, that's right, a buck. They also have double stuffed tacos off the dollar crave menu for a dollar. They also have a five dollar crave menu. You can get a double chalupa with two tacos and a soft drink in a box for just five bucks. They've brought the Mexican pizza back, and who hasn't enjoyed a Mexican pizza? If you get the one from Taco Bell, you'll be happy that you did. Maybe tonight to kick your weekend off. Get yourself a Taco Bell Mexican pizza or two. Or two. Breakfast, late night, lunchtime, dinner, doesn't matter. Taco Bell's open for you with all these wonderful items at these wonderful prices. You'll never go broke at Taco Bell. They know how to price it. They've got the Grande Scrambler for breakfast, less than $3. Two different AM Crunch Wraps for breakfast, less than $3. It's hard to beat it, isn't it? And I support the locally owned and operated locations for Taco Bell. And in our area, they're all over the place. They're in Chesterfield. They're in Cape Girardeau. They're in Union. They're in Jackson, Missouri. In Illinois, they're in Springfield, the state capital, Jerseyville, Salem. They're in Columbia, Waterloo. They're everywhere. Locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. Support them. Keep that money in our location. Our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746. 636-538-0746. I told you I'd have some news on Adam Schiff and a resolution in Congress. Florida Congresswoman Anna Polina Luna, Anna Polina Luna, first Mexican-American-born congresswoman from Florida. I always like to give them that because they love hearing that. Filed a resolution Wednesday night to expel Adam Schiff from Congress. The allegation is, of course, that he pushed a false narrative to the American people in the Trump-Russia-Russia investigation. She wrote in her uh, resolution, Adam Schiff lied to the American people. He used his position on House Intelligence to push a lie that cost American taxpayers millions of dollars and abused the trust placed in him as chairman. He is a dishonor to the House of Representatives. There isn't one thing about that that's not true, factually. 
And the Durham report, as she wrote, makes clear that the Russian collusion was alive from day one and Schiff knowingly used his position in an attempt to divide our country. How do you argue against that? What are you going to say? Schiff didn't lie? If you noticed, he told all those lies, and everybody plays all of the clips of all of his lies, saying there's evidence in clear sight, this concrete evidence, compelling evidence against Trump. We've got it, factual evidence. We just can't tell you what it is because it never was. I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say there is evidence that's not circumstantial. Well, actually, there was no circumstantial evidence. There was none. And anyone who's interviewed him subsequent to the Durham report's release has failed to ask him, will you please provide the evidence that you spoke nauseatingly about? Go ahead. Tell us now. The reason they won't ask him is because only liberals are asking. And so they're never going to ask him. Anna Paulina Luna, carpe diem to you. I know some people who live in her district. They're thrilled with her. Thrilled with her. Kevin is up first. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you today, sir? I am doing great. I'm always doing great on Friday. It's actually a question you don't even need to ask if you're calling on a Friday. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, as far as everything you've said in the last week of shows, all I can comment on is this. I can say ditto. <laughs> Well, there's just so so much out there that is so corrupt, and the facts are coming home to really haunt these people. And how this guy isn't expelled from Congress will be a miracle if it's simply on a vote. And I don't know how that process plays out. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but if it's simply on a vote, it should go directly on party lines, and he should be gone. And yeah, he's he running for Senate. Gone. You know, He's running for Feinstein's seat. He hopes she dies soon. He's running for that seat. And Pelosi's going to endorse him. So that's going to be a beautiful thing. It'll it'll further tell you one of two things, and only one of two things can possibly be true. Either the people of Cal- California are beyond the stupidity level of all time, or, and more likely, Pelosi and Schiff are experts at rigging elections. Uh, them and many, many other people that are experts at rigging elections. And you lead into, right, what I'd like to comment on there is, I don't trust the Republican Party at all. I think we need a grassroots effort to force the Republican Party to go out there and be poll watchers, to be election judges, to file whatever needs to be filed on this next election. And we need to force their hand to fight back against the Democratic way of stealing elections. And if we don't do that, then shame on us. Well, we can do it ourselves. We can all do our part. We can all volunteer and be poll watchers. We can all do it. Now, the the problem is going to be in the absentee balloting. That's where it all occurs. Exactly. Uh, so, or, or not even absentee balloting. Absentee balloting is legitimate. It's the vote by mail that is illegitimate and doesn't mm-hmm. require these voter IDs except in states that do. So those are the issues that need to be observed, and I don't know how we observe those as citizens. Can we get access to the mail-in ballots and the counting of them? Can we watch that? Can we see if this, the, the signatures verified match up? I don't know that we yes. can. Yes, I actually believe that because I think it's all a matter of public record. Those places are public records. You just have to apply to be a poll watcher for that part of the balloting would be my opinion. I hope somebody else can 
maybe look that up or find a better answer. But I think it should be public knowledge if you apply to uh, to be a poll watcher. Well, what we think should be and what, what very oftentimes is the situation are different because we actually have legitimate uh, interest in the country surviving and being successful, and we actually have honor and discipline and patriotism. So, but my, but uh, my but the other part of that is I'm going to bet you that it's that. hold on, hold on I'm a second, sorry. Kevin. I'm going to bet you that it's state by state. And it's not a national a rule. I, I agree with you, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, sir. But my comment is, we need to expose that now. If there is no way to do that, we need to expose it now so it can be fought back against now. You can't wait till a week before the election. Agreed. And Kevin, the other reason I called today is um, it, it's it's there's a holiday tomorrow that's always overlooked because of Memorial Day coming up, but the third Saturday of every May is Armed Forces Day, and that is tomorrow this year, May 20th, 2023. And I just wanted to point that out because that is the day that they honor and pay tribute to the men and women who are currently serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. And I just want to send a shout out to all the men and women who are currently serving that we thank them so much for their service. And um, I ask that everybody pray for them and ask God to uh, put his uh, arms around them and keep them safe, but give them the courage and the strength to fight off the enemies when um, when we need to fight them off and to hopefully bring as many of them home safely. And that's just a prayer of mine today. We should always pray for our veterans and for their safe return. No question about it. Yep. And just so everybody knows, third Saturday of May every year is Armed Forces Day. So uh, I'm going to have the uh, honor to be at Scott Air Force Base tomorrow. My church is having a golf tournament there on their golf course. Uh, we're excited to be there, but I will make sure that every military member that passes my path tomorrow will get a thank you tomorrow. Carpe diem to you. And we're and we got a big golf tournament tomorrow. We should I should ask you to come play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not playing. I just played yesterday, so I'm not playing any golf tomorrow. I got to give my back a rest. Yeah, well, it's a church tournament, and we were tempted to put a sign out on the course that said, God didn't make you hit it over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, too. All right, Kevin, good Kevin, stuff. I, I just God bless you. Ditto to everything you say. Thank you for your show, as always, and uh, blessings to you and your family, and we'll look forward to hearing you next week. Thank you so much. Back at you, and enjoy the golf tournament tomorrow. Thank you so much. We're going to get good weather, that's for sure. That's a good That is a gift from God. Yep, it is. All God right, bless, man, thank brother. you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye now. Um, the Dodgers who are playing here in St. Louis right now are coming under fire. Apparently they have rescinded their offer to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence from the team's Pride Night uh, honorees. Now there's been some pushback from the conservatives on this, and so now they have disinvited them. Now some states are attempting to pass uh, these anti-drag re- legislation and these Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are these drag queens. So the Pride Night for the Dodgers features a night of LGBTQ plus programming. It's a number of different groups that come and la di da da And so the Dodgers have disinvited them. And now they're getting all kinds of pushback so the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence can be invited yet again. Now, it is amazing that we have to deal with this in this day of insanity, but this is what goes on. When drag queens are not invited to a ball game by the organization, there's trouble. <laughs> we live in insane times. Steve is up. Good morning, Steve. How are you? 
Good morning, happy Friday, and carpe diem to you. Carpe diem to you, too. Hey, a couple of quick ones for you, Kevin. Um, first of all, and, and I'm, I'm not joking around, I, uh, I, I mean this seriously, I, I am a little worried. I'm saying prayers for you because uh, after the incredible work you did this week, in, uh, you know, going around all kinds of things to get Zach Rule on the air and to expose the, you know, utter corruption of, uh, you know, our government, especially the DOJ and the FBI, which is on display continually. I, I'm expecting, you know, them to, you know, come to your house or your studio with, uh, you know, AK-47s and Uzis and uh, SWAT teams and, you know, the whole FBI routine. So, uh, I, uh, you know, I actually I have to think... expect the same thing. And, and when I, when I hear those FBI agents talk about how they were ordered to surveil the parents at school board meetings, I can guarantee they're at the very least surveilling. Yeah. Well, we know that because <laughs> they try to, uh, break up your signal every time they you, know, you get something good going on. There's like no that. question they've done that. That That is not coincidental. I am not a believer that that's a coincidence anymore. Hey, the other thing I wanted to bring up since uh, next month, I guess it is, you'll be uh, adding uh, your sports show, which a lot of us are, you know, really uh, looking forward to with a lot of anticipation. Uh, I thought I'd just bring up uh, uh, a thought and uh, leave it with you as uh, – you know, you've offered some good constructive criticism of the Cardinals, and I, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, you and your audience have seen coming is that we went into this season not really doing anything other than, you know, replacing your catcher, which you had to do, and uh, then they, you know, they tried to back out of that, which was crazy to begin with, but um, went in with just question marks at almost every spot you know in the rotation and the bullpen uh you know in every spot in the field except for arenado and uh goldschmidt and all of the question mark you know if they if the question marks came back 50 yes 50 no you know we'd have the same mediocre cardinals but they started off with all the question marks going the wrong way and then in addition you had arenado go south uh but i i guess the silver lining is um, somebody in the organization, maybe the DeWitts, and I hope he's on soon, uh, have recognized <laughs> what a mistake they made. And they're doing things that uh, normally would be a little crazy. But in the circumstances, I applaud them for saying, okay, let's get Libertor up here and see what he can do. Okay, let's bring this Mercado guy up here. Uh, I mean, some of these, uh, you know, changes that normally be would be a little bit far out uh, you got to take your hat off and say well at least it looks like maybe they're recognizing they they had a really poor off season and they banked on things they shouldn't have yeah i would think that's that's very true too now the question then becomes why didn't you bring libertor up a lot sooner he pitched a very good game the other night he only went five innings but if he was pitching that well, why wasn't he brought up sooner to try to avoid that disastrous start to the season that dug them a hole that I don't believe they can get out of? I don't care how. I know they're playing better now, but they're hitting the ball. If you notice, they're not they're not out pitching people. It's become a slow pitch softball exercise for the Cardinals. Almost every game, they have to outslug the the opponent because their pitching staff continually fails 
to hold the opposition. You have a nine to two lead last night. You virtually blew every run of it. You were up nine to eight until an explosion in the bottom of the eighth inning. So they damn near lost a seven run lead because of their lousy pitching. And it remains lousy. So that's still going to be the Achilles heel. No team hits the ball over 162 game season like the Cardinals have hit it over the last 10 games. That will cool off. Are you sure about that, Kevin? Because I was kind of hoping that, you know, we could bank on scoring 18 or 16 runs <laughs> every other night. I think if you, I our... think if you look back through baseball history, you'll find that that is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, something, uh, something else. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wondered, you know, why did they take Libertor out? He seemed to, Agreed. you know, have a, Pretty yeah. good game going and had uh, a lot of control. I mean, he was blanking them. Yeah, you throw five and, shutout innings. Why are you coming out? Yeah, and <laughs> well, last, last night, you know, I you know I I kind of caught some of the game, and then when it was nine to two, I I turned it off for a while. I thought, okay, I can rest easy. <laughs> I, no. I turned it back on. It's nine to eight, and I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I look at baseball, and I, I I watch a lot of the different things that happen, and I. I recognize that almost zero teams have a bullpen. The only one that has a stellar bullpen continue to be the Houston Astros, and that's probably why they'll win it again. Despite their injuries, their bullpen is still their strength, and if you have a strong bullpen in this day's game, you win. And that's how the Astros shut the Phillies down last year with great starting pitching and a great bullpen, and they'll shut people down again this year. They've all all of a sudden talked about turning it on. They've turned it on, and they've done it a little differently than the Cardinals. Cardinals have beaten the fences down. The Astros are getting people out there pitching. What do you uh, think about Bill DeWitt III? Do you think he'll be uh, coming on when the new show uh, kicks off? Oh, yeah, he'll be. He, uh, I, I, he, he's going to come on next week. He was going to come on uh, in the last week or 10 days, and he got different conflicts, and he said, I'm not dodging you. I just let, Let's try to set up another day. And then because of the uh, prisoner situation this week, I was concentrating on that with all my efforts rather than the Cardinals. And now that we've gotten that all behind us next week, we'll get Bill DeWitt on. If there was anyone else in the organization, I would say, well, of course he was dodging you because they were playing so bad. And now he's willing to come on because they're doing better. But, uh, you know, from all the interviews you've had in the past, I think he seems like a, a pretty good guy and a straight yeah. shooter. Yeah. He does, he's a class act. He doesn't pull those stunts like many members of the Cardinal organization have and continue to do. Uh, he doesn't do it. And so, uh, we're fortunate to have him in that situation, and we're glad that he comes on and he'll he'll answer every question. We may not like his answers, but he'll answer the questions. Yeah. Well, look forward to that, and look forward to the new show, and uh, of course, uh, continuing on with the battle for truth in the mornings. And uh, so we salute you and uh, say, have a great weekend and carpe diem. Have a great weekend yourself, Steve. Carpe diem to you and your family. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up for uh, this week. And we'll be back, of course, fighting the good fight again for you Monday morning, right here on the day the Liberals created, right here on the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.